Good morning, Parkway Church. How are you guys doing today? Great. I am so glad you're here with us today as we continue our study in the book of Romans. And we're kicking off a new series today entitled Everyday Disciples. And I hope through this series that we will learn together how we can honor Jesus in every way on every day. See, what? that's what we're learning through the book of Romans. And, and as we jump into today's talk, I want to take just a moment to pray for revival that's coming here at Parkway Church. And I also want to thank the Lord for what he's doing among us right now. Like last Sunday, we baptized seven people across our whole church. So we say, yay God, for those baptisms. On Wednesday night, we had 15 people join the church at our Next Steps gathering. So that was another great big yay God. We are seeing new families connect at Parkway Lone Tree. We are seeing Sam and his team lead so well in Parkway, Port Lavaca. And so we are grateful and thankful that the Lord is at work in our church today. And I'm trusting he'll be at work in you today. Even as we look forward to revival, where we're going to come together and seek the Lord. Where we're going to come together with a heart that says, God, help me fall more in love with you. Help me, Lord. So as we pray today, let's pray for that. Lord, may we love you and may we love people because we are seeking you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to be together. And we thank you for the baptisms last week. I thank you for Michael and his baptism and how he encouraged me by sharing his call. God, I, I thank you for the baptisms in Port Lavaca and Sam's leadership there and reaching that community. God, I thank you for the new families that are connecting at the tree, Lord. And I just pray you would work in all of us today. As we look forward to revival, as we look forward to Denny coming and to our teams leading us, Lord, we just pray you would move and work today. But God, I pray that the 24th through the 26th would be a special time in the history of our church. May we set aside those days to pursue you and to be together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you look at how life change happens, it happens differently for each one of us. Some of us are long-term change people. Others of us, we get one bit of information, and it completely revolutionizes how we think and how we live. We get one little piece of information, and all of a sudden, there's an aspect of our life that's completely different. And I hope that there are many people in the room like that today. Because what the book of Romans does for us is shows us that right believing or right doctrine leads to right living. That if we believe the right things and know the right things about God, then we will live differently. We will live rightly because we believe rightly. There's this little bit of information that we build the rest of our lives on because it has been found to be true. The younger generation today will trust a YouTube video to do most anything. I have friends that built a house by watching YouTube videos. I, I won't even, anyway, I, I can't do it. But I'm one of those people that a little bit of information changes me and how I live. Remember about 24 years ago now, Christy and I were still dating. And she was living in Huntsville and I was living here in Victoria. I was the student pastor for Parkway when we met in the mall. And there was one Sunday that I was, like, I had already heard Scott's talk during the first service. And I didn't really want to hear the talk during the second service. We've all been there. 
And so I stepped out and I went to the information center and I found this book. There was a book by Gary Chapman. It was a brand new book at the time. It was a purple cover and it had a heart on it and then white letters that said the five love languages. And so while Scott was preaching, I started reading. And I learned that there are five love languages. There's words of affirmation. There's acts of service. There's uh, physical touch. There's gifts. And there's quality time. And as I was reading that book, it hit me. Christie's love language is quality time. And I read this, and, I, and I, I'm just, my mind is being blown. And so I drive home, and I call her. Because we didn't have phones we could use on the way home. So I drive home, and I call her, and I'm like, hey, get this. You feel most loved by me when we spend time together, face-to-face. Not shoulder-to-shoulder, but face-to-face. You feel most loved by me when we spend quality time together. And she said, how'd you finally figure this out? I said, well, I read a book while Scott was preaching. She said, what I've been trying to teach you for four years, you learned in 40 minutes? Yes, isn't that great? By the way, our son is the exact same way. Until it clicks in him, he doesn't live it. Until it clicks in me, I don't live it. That wasn't the last time that a brief conversation radically changed how I loved my wife. When we went to marriage coaching a few years back, the counselor told me some ways that I could love her differently and see her differently. And it all clicked. And I was like, oh, I've been doing this wrong for all of these years. And I looked at her and I told her I've been doing it wrong for all these years. And she said, It took four sentences for you to realize that you were doing it wrong all these years? Yes! Isn't that great? Well, as we kicked off the book of Romans, we learned some pretty deep truths about justification, what makes us right with God. It's our faith alone. We learned some pretty deep truths about sanctification, how we continue to follow God by the power of his Holy Spirit becoming more and more like him. We learn that we can have hope as we look forward to the day that we'll be in glory with God. We talked about justification, sanctification, and glorification. And we talked about those things in detail because those are basic doctrines that if you believe right, you can live right. In fact, that's what the book of Romans does. It makes a really hard turn. It starts out with this deep theological perspective. And then there's this hard turn that says, okay, now that you know what you should believe. Let's talk about how what you believe impacts your life. So it's possible for your life to be completely changed by this sentence. You are only made right by your faith in Christ. Nothing else can save you. Nothing else can make you right with God. You can be radically changed by that sentence. Because if you believe the right things about God, your life can be different. Your life can be radically changed by this sentence. When you believe in Jesus, he lives in you and begins to work in you to change you so that you're more like his son. Never give up on your relationship with God. 
See, believer, your life could be radically changed simply by the perspective that God's always at work in me, making me more like him. Your life could be radically changed by this sentence. Do not despair. This is not the end of the story. God is at work, and I realize I'm making a paragraph now, not a sentence. But this is not the end of the story. God will make all things right. See, one sentence, one thought, truly can change how you live and how you see the world. And because of that, we believe rightly so that we live rightly. So if you brought your Bible, we're going to see how this plays out. We're going to start in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And as we look at this, we're going to learn how we can honor God in every way on every day. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, this verse as the book of Romans entirely is written to believers, people who know Christ by faith and faith alone. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, that's men and women who have believed, in view of God's mercy, based on what God has done in you, the fact that he's made you right with himself through Jesus Christ, the fact that he's at work in you, making you more like Jesus every day, the fact that you can hold on to eternity and have hope that's beyond this grave and beyond the struggle of today, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul says what you need to do is offer all of yourself to God as a living sacrifice. He died for you so you will live with him and you will live for him. You need to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, meaning, God, I'm living the life you've given me and I'm gonna sacrifice this life so that I can see you work in me so that I can see you use me. God, I'm going to sacrifice this life because it is my true act of worship. When I give you more and more of me, this is my act of worship. And then the Bible says, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. How do you offer yourself as a living sacrifice? Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That word conform means don't be pressed into the image of the world anymore. Don't conform to the image of the world. I think of my kids when they were young and sitting at the dinner table playing with Play-Doh. And they would have molds and they would push those molds into Play-Doh, and then they would remove the Play-Doh, and it'd be a perfect picture of whatever it was that they had molded, a perfect representation of the mold that they had pressed it into. Well, Paul is saying, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, no longer allowing yourself to be pressed into the, the mold of the world, no longer allowing yourself to look like what the world desires for you to look like, but instead, be transformed. That word transformed means changed. Be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If we're going to offer ourselves as living sacrifices to God, 
I need you to hate to conform as much as I hate to conform. I hate it whenever there's a family reunion coming up and they make the mandate. We're all going to wear red. Oh, I hate that. I don't want to wear red. You can't make me wear red. You're going to make me go buy red clothes so that I could be a part of this family reunion? Well, Michael, if you don't wear the red clothes, then people won't know you're a part of our family. Exactly. <laughs> I, I hate to conform. Dance dad shirts? Not going to happen. Every season that they would send out those shirt orders, and they would say, do you want a dance dad shirt? No, I don't. And so I would be sitting in these bleachers watching my girls dance. It would be dance dad, dance dad, dance dad, Mike. Dance dad, dance dad, dance dad, jerk, me. Because I hate to conform. I hate to conform where I don't want to conform. Do you hate to conform to the world? As much as I hate to conform to being friendly and nice and a part of a group. <laughs> See, the Bible says don't conform any longer, but be transformed. And all of this is in view of God's mercy. All of this is because of what God has done in you. And I remind you by these two verses, it's possible for you to live a life that's holy and pleasing to God. It's possible for you to make decisions that are in line with and in perfect step with his will. You can live confidently because you aren't being conformed, you're being transformed and you're renewing your mind. The number one way for you to renew your mind is to get into God's word. The number one way for you to continue the transformation process that God began in you when you believed in Christ, the number one way is for you to get in God's word. And it's never been easier than today. You've got a phone, the Bible app is there. You've got a phone, the Parkway app is there. In fact, today you can kick off a Bible reading plan that'll talk through the themes of this series. The Bible app will actually read to you if you don't like to read. This is an amazing tool because it takes away every excuse. I don't have a Bible, I got a phone. Well, you got an $800 Bible right there in your hand. Go get the free app. I don't like to read. It'll read to you. I don't have time to listen. My commute's 30 minutes each way. Well, get this. You can read through the whole Bible in 15 minutes a day. Or you could have the whole Bible read to you in 15 minutes a day. See, it takes away every excuse. The excuse isn't, like, valid anymore. The question is, do you truly want to know how things work best for you? Anytime we get a newer vehicle... We, we haven't bought a brand new car uh, since, like, Nick was born, so that was almost 19 years ago. We haven't bought a brand new car in 19 years, but anytime we get an almost new car, I sit down and I read the entire owner's manual, like from cover to cover. I don't want to miss what was hot in cars eight years ago, right? I don't want to miss it. And so I'm reading every page. I want to take full advantage I even do it sometimes, and my name is Mike. I even do it sometimes when I get rental cars. I'll have a car for a day and a half, and, and 
they'll go in to get something from the convenience store, and I'm like, well, I've got five minutes. And I'm reading it. The owner's manual to a car that isn't mine. Because I want to take full advantage of it. Believer in Jesus, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. As you think about everyday life change, I've got three things that we need to look at together to offer ourselves as living sacrifices to God. And you can fill in the blanks as we follow along. First one is this. To offer yourself as a living sacrifice, Jesus says to you, believe in me. Paul makes it clear through the opening chapters of Romans that the only way that we're made right or justified before God is by our faith in Jesus Christ. So if we're going to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, it starts with us believing in Jesus for life. Now, I want to define what I mean by belief. Because I'm not asking you just to acknowledge that there was a guy and his name was Jesus. Here's what I'm meaning. I want you to believe that you are a sinner who needs a Savior. And that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and that he is the only way to God. You see, our faith has substance. Our faith matters. So we're not just believing there was this dude named Jesus. We're believing some things about ourselves. We're sinners. We're believing some things about God. Because of our sin, we're separated from him. And we're believing some things about Jesus. He came to die on the cross for us and to give us life by the power of his resurrection. You see, some people would say, Mike, this faith only is too easy. But let me tell you, faith only, belief in Jesus for life, is the only way to God. You say, what about that verse, Mike, that says that even the demons believe there's one God and tremble? Let me tell you, I'm not asking you to believe like a demon. A demon can believe that there's one God. They are not God's kid, never could be because they're demons. But do you realize that if you believe there is a God, that doesn't make you God's kid? It's what you believe about yourself and Jesus and what God offered to us by grace. So I'm not asking you to simply believe in God like a demon. I'm also not asking you to believe in God like an American. 80% of the people in our country say that they believe there is a God. Make no reservation. Make no mistake. There, that does not mean that 80% of our country is Christian. Can we agree there? That simply believing in God, however you define that God, doesn't make you a Christian. There is substance to our faith. Believing in Jesus isn't a simple acknowledgement that there is a God and there was a guy named Jesus. Believing is having faith that Jesus died in your place and rose again to give you life. When we say believe in Christ for life, that's what we mean. With my kids growing up in a pastor's house, you can imagine they had like multiple opportunities to say yes to Jesus by faith to become believers. 
My son Nick became a Christian because they were driving over the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, which is this really tall, long bridge over the Chesapeake Bay. And he was a little scared. And so Christy started talking to him about fear. And he, she said, why are you scared? And she said, what if the wind blows our van off the, the Chesapeake Bay Bridge? She said, well, you don't have anything to fear if you're God's kid. And through that conversation, he believed in Jesus. And he was like young. Leah came out of her class one Sunday night. I think she was three. And she said, I believe in Jesus now. God is with me. And we were like, wow. And she said, I said, what's that mean? She said, I'm a sinner, and he's my savior. We said, wow, that's awesome. See, as we look at the essentials, and this works for kids that are three or, or people that are 53 or anybody in between or anybody beyond. The essentials are, I'm a sinner who needs a savior because my sin has separated me from God. And God has sent the one and only savior, Jesus Christ, who died in my place and was raised again from the dead. That's what we mean when we say believe. In view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. So we went to the teacher who was leading Leah's class that night. Her name was Bindi. And we said, Bindi, tell us about like, how you led our daughter to Christ. And, and Christy said her response back was, I don't know what you're talking about. We were talking about Noah and the ark. And Leah came out talking about Jesus and how he saved her. Friends, this is God's work of calling people and saving people. This is God's work of pointing people to Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit. Maybe today you're here and you've never believed that simple message that childlike faith can save you. You're here for a reason. If God is stirring and pointing you towards the truth of the gospel, I encourage you to say yes because you can know that you're his. 1 John 5.13 says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. We can believe and know. And then Jesus defined it this way. Now this is eternal life, John 17, verse 3. That they know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. The moment you believe in Jesus, you begin walking in eternity with God. The moment that you Say yes to Jesus and you're made right by God. Your forever relationship with him begins. That means that our faith or our moment of belief isn't a finish line, but it's a starting point for us to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. See, Mike, what else do I need to do? Jesus says, believe in me. And then Jesus says, come to me. Fill in that blank. For all of us who have made that decision to believe in Christ for life, Jesus says, come to me. Let me be your teacher. Come to me. Be transformed. Be changed. Unlearn everything. You're not conformed to the pattern of this world anymore. And relearn everything by the renewing of your mind. Come to me. Here's a new way of seeing your relationship with God. You are an apprentice to Jesus. After you say yes to him, he says, come to me. And you become an apprentice of Jesus. An apprentice is one who's being trained for a specific function. 
An apprentice is one who, as they learn, they can pass on their trade to another. See, Jesus teaches us spiritual lessons. He teaches us spiritual lessons as we pray, as we read our Bibles, as we connect to groups, and as we come together in church. He teaches us these spiritual lessons, and he says, come to me and keep coming to me, believer in Jesus. Keep learning. And here's why. Dallas Willard says, there is no problem in human life that apprenticeship to Jesus cannot solve. Jesus says, come to me because as a believer, I can show you how to live differently. Come to me because as a believer, I can show you that every part of your life is better with me in the lead. Listen to how Jesus invited us in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Well, that come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. Isn't that all of us? Come to me, take my yoke upon you, verse 29, and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What Jesus is saying here is come connect your life with mine and let's do this together. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Sometimes we think that if we give our lives completely over to God, that it's gonna make things worse or more difficult for us. But Jesus comes and says, take my yoke upon you and let me teach you. Turn yourself wholly over to me and watch how I give you rest and rest for your souls. John Ortberg says that following Jesus is not a static religious identity, but a dynamic calling that consistently and constantly invigorates and challenges us. That's the reality of being an apprentice of Jesus. When he says, come to me, you've always got something to learn. When he says, come to me, you've always got something that you can live differently because you've learned something new. And it's not a static identity. It is a relationship where you're doing life with Jesus. That's why I invite you to prioritize our time of revival. A three-day period when we are setting aside as a church time for Jesus to say, come to me. Let me give you rest. Let me tell you what life is all about because when Jesus says, come to me and be my apprentice, your life is, it's all about life with God forever. It's all about life for God every day. Life is about living under God's care always and living by his power now. See, Jesus says, come to me. So you no longer have to live for yourselves. You can live for me, the one who died for you. Come to me. Because you are no longer living for yourself, but for me. And then lastly, Jesus says, believe in me, come to me, and follow me. You can fill in that last blank. This is where you and I learn to sacrifice our lives and live as a living sacrifice, denying ourselves and following him. And there's this upside-down thinking that comes with Christianity. That the harder I try to fight to keep my life, the more I'll lose it. But the more I lose my life for Christ's sake, 
the more I will gain real life and see real change in my life. These aren't my words. These are Jesus's words. Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple or apprentice must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. See that upside down thinking? You can fight for your own way of life. You can fight for the life that you want to live on your own. You can fight for the patterns of the past that are broken and not best for you. But Jesus says, if you come to me and you follow me, you will find true life. See, that's why we say that a disciple of Jesus is someone who has believed in him for eternal life and is following him with all of their lives. Because Jesus says, take up that cross every day and follow me. When we talk about a relationship with God, it's an every day and an every way opportunity to honor God. You are no longer living your life. You're living his. So you look and you say, since I'm living your life, God, my choice is to sacrifice myself for you. My choice is to carry the cross. God, since I am living your life now and not mine, my response to you is gratitude and worship. God, since I'm living your life and not mine, my decisions are no longer based on human logic, but instead they're based on a renewed mind that's been transformed and is being transformed by the word and the power of the spirit. And because my life is no longer my life, God, I'm gonna follow you and I'm gonna submit to you. I'm gonna submit to your good, pleasing, and perfect will. That word submit gets people all the time. But do you realize that God is asking you to submit to what's best for you? God is asking you to, to set your plan aside as a believer in Jesus and to submit yourself to his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He's asking you to submit to something that is best for you and better than anything you could ever design on your own. When I do weddings and we do the premarital counseling and we do the talk about, okay, are we going to say that the bride in her vows is supposed to submit to her husband? Because in some relationships, that's the S word. And I love it when brides look and say, I have no problem submitting to him because I trust him, because I know he wants what's best for me. I have no problem submitting to him because I know that he's submitting to Jesus. I love it when they say that. Because they say, I will do whatever it takes for this relationship to be healthy. I will do whatever it takes for us to grow together. Christian, may we have that exact same perspective when it comes to submitting our lives to Christ. As the bride of Christ, may we freely and willingly submit our life to Jesus, not begrudgingly, not under compulsion, but let's follow him by submitting our plans to his. So here's the disciples' challenge for the day. God, every day, help me to live a life that's pleasing and honoring to you and best for me. Can we pray that prayer together in just a moment, Parkway? Can we pray at Lone Tree in Port Lavaca? 
God, every day, help me to live a life that's pleasing and honoring to you and best for me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open your word and to be encouraged. God, I pray now that you help us to apply it to our lives. And so, God, we just start with this prayer. God, in every day and in every way, help me to learn to honor you and to live a life that's pleasing to you and best for me. As we prayed that, there are a couple of things that need to happen. First, believers in the room, you need to just talk to God and submit yourself to him. I will follow you because I need you. I will come to you because I am tired and weary and burdened. Do business with God, church family. And as you do, if you're here and you've never believed in Jesus for life, your step is to believe and to find life right now. Jesus died in your place and was raised again from the dead to offer you life. And your response to him is to believe. If today's your day, let's mark it. You can mark it with a prayer. You can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior, and you are the Savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me 